The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. Show. I'm Kat Victorino, and joining me today are Deepak Gohill, Simon Holdsworth, and our Twitter follower, Rich Noonham. Hey, Rich, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So Rich is actually a podcaster as well. We've been talking before the recording, and he's involved in three different podcasts. But the one that we would be most interested in would be the Long Snapper podcast. Rich, give us a couple, couple of tidbits about your podcast. So the Long Snapper is a it's a podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. So we are all from different fan bases. We've got Titans, we've got Bills, we've got Jets. Uh, we've got one guy who was later to it than everyone else, and so doesn't actually know quite who he is. He's he's bounced around franchises, and uh, this year is a Bronco um, for his sins. Um, yeah, so it's it's a fun group. It's it's a really enjoyable bantery podcast we we're all fairly knowledgeable about the game and we just talk normally about the worst stuff that's happened so we end up talking about the browns a lot um, (laughs) which no one else covers so it's fun (laughs) well welcome we are only going to be talking 49ers just so you know (laughs) that's why i'm here so this week The 49ers stayed on the East Coast and returned to that field uh, to face the New York Giants. The final score was 36-9 San Francisco. Mullins went 25 of 36 for 343 yards with one touchdown and a 108.9 passer rating. Jones on the Giants had a 17 for 32, 179 yards, one interception and a 56.6 passer rating. Brandon Ayuk made an appearance this past week guys what do we think about that thank god preseason's over <laughs> <laughs> you know you read those numbers out we didn't know what we were really going to get this week did we um mm-hmm. we were like gosh we've got replacements we've got third stringers we've got practice team players but when you read those numbers out, i'm looking at mullins ayuk you know mckinnon and wilson jr all of those guys it's, it, it goes beyond the numbers. You've actually got to watch the highlights to put some context behind the way they got those yards. So um, they were they were immense, you know. So um, a, a fantastic, fantastic win. Quirky stat about that score, 36-9. In the history of the NFL, that score has never happened in any fixture, believe it or not. We did that last year, too. How funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, the, for me, the game just highlight further highlighted how good Shanahan's system is um that you can literally you know bring players out of the practice squad and just plug them in um Brandon Ayuk showed that he was a really good pickup in the draft in the fact that he's all about yards after catch which we know Shanahan's office is all about um and yeah I was really really pleased with the performance on both sides of the ball to be honest Rich I I have to say I was I wasn't nervous about Mullins coming in because we've seen what he can do. He's he's an efficient quarterback. He's he's probably one of the best backups in the league as far as I'm concerned. And I wouldn't be surprised if 
a year, two, three years from now, he ends up becoming a starter somewhere else. I don't see him ever being a starter at the Niners unless something terrible happens to Jimmy. But the way that Shanahan schemed for him made the most of, of what he can do. So we had a lot more RPOs rather than just the usual play action, which I don't think we've seen much of that with Jimmy. But it was incredibly effective against the Giants. There was There was just that feeling of he could just get the ball out those RPO actions were sucking up the defenders and, and just slants to Ayuk just kept happening and and it worked. And it felt like Shanahan was much more thinking about how to get yards using Mullins. And I don't know why he doesn't do this in games with Jimmy Moore, where it's just like, well, I can get easy yards here, so I'll do it, rather than almost overthinking things at times. Mm, good point. So what do we think about Jordan Reed's performance this week? Are we going to miss him? I think we are. But, uh, you know, Welling's well stepped up to the plate. Uh, we're definitely going to miss Jordan Reed. We may have kids back next week. We may not. Personally, kind of hope he doesn't come back as an extended period of, of rest. But his injury, Reed's injury in particular, yeah. It's, we knew there was going to be at least one more on that field, didn't we? You know, let's not fool ourselves. Yeah, Reed, Reed for me has got lovely soft hands, and um, you know he, he finds he finds ways of getting open, but he doesn't necessarily need separation to make the catch, which I thought was, um, you know, something that we could definitely use on the offense moving forward. Obviously, he, he, the curse of the field struck again, and um, just as he was getting going, I mean, he was Mullins' preferred target um, up until then, and I just felt so sorry for the guy. You know, obviously he's had a bad injury record as it is. Um, to then come into a team that's obviously going to be utilising him, that's got chances and prospects, and for him to, to go down again. I mean, I don't think it's as serious as other injuries that we've picked up recently, but I think he's out, is it four to six weeks Four or to something? six weeks still yeah. is a pretty good chunk of the season. It is. It is. So, yeah, I just felt for the guy, and you could kind of see it in his face as he was walking around on the, tu- on the, on the, on the touchline there. So, uh, yeah, difficult one to take. Uh, from my perspective, I feel like he will be a useful player to have coming back, hopefully fully healthy again in the latter half of the season. I feel like our games down the stretch are probably harder than the ones that we're facing immediately. Uh, Dwelly looked really good. I thought he, he had an excellent couple of series where uh, Mullins just seemed to enjoy using him as almost a safety valve. So hopefully he can do well. I'm I'm anticipating that Kittle will be maybe suiting up next week even if he doesn't fully play he might be on a bit of a a snap count for for the next game because you know if we go up quickly against the eagles then why bother risking him completely agree yeah dwelly speaking of dwelly it went four for 49 uh a long of 20 and a 12.3 yard average so yeah we we knew dwelly had it in him yeah, I think Ross Dwellers' big biggest fan is George Kittle, which probably says a lot about him. Um, but he, he he runs angry as well, doesn't he? After the catch, he uh, I think there was one one reception he had where there was a defender almost straight off him, and he he shrugged him off and then sort of charged through another defender. I mean, I know the Giants' defense isn't a particularly uh, stingy one, but um, <laughs> but if you're winning your matchups, then that's all we can ask for, really. Exactly. So we ended up with oh, sorry, Deepak, go ahead. Yeah, I, can. I was going to say the yards after the catch has become a feature of our offensive play, you know, especially George Kittle and now Dwelly. And I'm beginning to think that Shanny's 
thing is like a, a West Coast offense 2.0 with the way that he's deploying the swing plays and the, the high percentage screens. Remember, under Harbour, we never ran any screens ever. None. Zero. Zilch. And now we're running them and we're picking up really big yards. The backs are breaking tackles and I think the, the rack yards, the run after the catch or yards after catch, however you want to call it, that's going to be a stat I think we need to keep a closer eye on because I think we're we're one of the best, if not the best right now in the NFL, yards after the catch. Yeah, Rich touched on it earlier, the quick slants, and that was a, a massive feature of the West Coast offense, wasn't it? Utilising Jerry Rice and John Taylor and their, their ability to to move with the ball after the catch. So um, if we get anywhere near as good as uh, as that offense was, then we're, uh, we're going to go a long way. It is something that um, Shanahan's offense has always uh, been good at, even, even in other places, even at the Browns, was that ability to scheme players into positions. He's really good at putting defenders in conflict where they don't know which way they're going to go. And as long as your offensive player knows, if he's this side, I go this way. If he's this side, I go the other way. And then you're almost you just drop the ball on them, and they've got so much space that it's unbelievable. But it's all in the scheme. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about defense. I mean, Fred Warner led the team with seven tackles, two solo, and five assisted. Uh, the defense sacked Jones twice. One for Jordan, one for Hyder, and I believe Simon. Don't you want to discuss? Carrie Jordan and Dion Hyder, uh, Dion Jordan and Carrie Hyder. I can't talk today. Um, I've just been super impressed with them. I mean, I mean, Dion Jordan only came in this week, but um, you know, for the, for the through the first three games, Carrie Hyder has just seemed to have more QB pressures uh, than than anybody. And considering it was somebody that I'd not really, no, not really been on my radar. Um, Going into the season, for obvious reasons, when you think about the edge rushes that we that we have had had at our disposal at the start of the season, I just think that he's really, really stepped up. Um, and it was it telling that those two were the guys who um, who got the sacks on on Sunday. And I just thought they balled out. And you know, everyone was kind of saying, "Oh, you know, it's all doom and gloom with 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 Bosa's injury." And you know, D Ford, who uh, seems like he's uh, you know he's got he's like a chocolate fire guard, isn't he? Is so is is so injury prone, but um, I don't think it's all as doom and gloom as we as we perhaps thought. I think we've got great strength and depth on that defensive line. Well, Hyder did record six quarterback pressures this last game. Yeah, exactly, and it <laughs> it, 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 it was noticeable. I mean, um, I've been watching um, uh, Brian Baldinger's breakdowns on Twitter, which I tend to do, and he speaks really highly of Javon Kinlaw, who perhaps hasn't been getting the highlight players that um, that kind of get noticed on on TV coverage. But um, he is going to be a, an absolute beast. He's the the strength that he's showing and in, in getting um, a manhandling offensive lineman is. And once he learns his hand techniques and how to play the role properly, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with as well. So uh, yeah, promising stuff for the uh, for the defensive line. <laughs> One of the things that was brought up about Kinlaw in in the kind of preseason and and I think probably in in the kind of college assessments was the fact that everyone just focused on oh he's only got this bull rush technique and I mm-hmm. think we've seen through three games now that he doesn't just have the bull rush technique if you watch him on film and and I'm with you I love the baldy breakdowns you see he's got a bunch of different things that he and I don't know whether this is learning from other linemen and the coaches and he's just a quick study but there's so much stuff that he's already bringing into that into that into play 
that's helping him be a much more powerful player than I think people thought he would be. Yeah, he's, I don't think he's been playing the game long, has it, Rich? I, I think in com- compared to compared to the vast majority of players in the NFL, he was quite a late starter, and they're saying that his his learning curve is so steep. So that's probably a, an indication of of that already in the fact that he's surrounded by players who who, who play have got a really high skill set, particularly with hand movement in D Ford and and uh, and Nick Bosa and uh, there was one particular move where it was it was like, a bit like a swim but he literally used one arm and just shifted the center about 5 yards it was incredible yeah absolutely unbelievable that. feat of strength and you're like whoa this dude this this guy's going to be a badass absolute badass well that that was the one thing that annoyed me about the draft or at the time annoyed me about the draft was i'd seen the deforest DeForest Buckner getting traded and we all thought well what's the point in just flipping that pick straight into a young rookie lineman who might well be worse like you never know what you're going to get this guy's potentially going to be just as good yeah I think he's got a bigger upside to be perfectly honest but we'll see yeah. it's upside is one thing potential is one thing it's fulfilling <laughs> that, isn't it? uh, this wasn't on defense but did you, did you see Ben Garland pancake their number one draft choice that linebacker yeah yeah <laughs> Goodness. It's almost like there's a competition between the offensive line to see who can get the most violent block because um, Trent Williams had one, didn't he? And uh, and it's almost like they've got a you know an in-house competition to see who can you know ruin ruin someone's life by uh, being the, being the most violent block downfield. It's, uh, I, I, I was losing my eyes for half an hour after seeing that. I was like, my God, even I felt it. Have mercy, man. It, it, <laughs> turned itself into a human torpedo, didn't it? You know, the 20 stone human torpedo. There was another fun block with the Ayuk uh, touchdown run uh, where I can't remember who it was. Um, it might have been Garland again on that one who basically flattens the safety into the end zone and then basically just rides him into the end zone as Ayuk just strolls past. <laughs> I'll we'll have to have a look at that. Go back on the highlights. <laughs> you get Great. the sense um, that these guys are having fun. You know, the replacements, the second stringers, third stringers, practice squad members, they've all been thrown in to do a job. But I, I get a distinct feeling that they're having a really good time doing it. And that, and that is super, super important, that they're playing together as well as playing for themselves, you know. And I think that's down to Shani, Deepak, yep. because... because you know, at no stage has, has, has Shanahan taken the easy option and gone, oh, well, we, we lost because of these injuries and it's going to be a tough season because we're missing these guys. He's It's always been that next man up um, kind of attitude and showing that level of faith in in the third stringers and the practice squad guys must, must be a real kind of boost to their confidence. And like you said, they're playing like they've got a chip on their shoulder, like, like they belong and it's an opportunity for them to, to, to prove themselves. Well, the one stat that came out of this game that I found fascinating, the Niners didn't punt all game. This was the first time since 1993 that we did not punt. That's probably a good thing considering the long snapper couldn't reach the uh, the, the holder for, for a place kick, never mind the punter. <laughs> yeah, there was a little problem there, wasn't there? <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have some questions from the Facebook group. You can find us on Facebook, Niner Empire, Great Britain. Um, Mark Lyon, he, he gave us four different scenarios to talk about. I like all of them, so I'm just going to start picking. Uh, Fred Warmer is rapidly becoming my favorite current 49er. The guy was outstanding. 
How good can he become, and will he be better than Patrick Willis? Oh. <laughs> I know. That's a tall order there, Mark. First off, that guy has been lights out this this season. He's And he's getting better every day. Will he be better than Patrick Willis? Do you know, the reason why I can't answer that is I don't think any of us know how good Patrick Willis would have been if he'd carried on with his career. I get a feeling that Patrick Willis was still peaking when he decided to retire, you know. So I don't know if he'll ever be as good as P. Willis, but my God, Warner is, is good. I mean, really, really good. The thing that's noticeable for Fred Warner this season is how much his game smarts have improved. So yeah. he's he's a, he's an athlete. With he, he was, a, I think he was like a, a a nickelback in college. So he had to put on some size to play the linebacker position, and he relied on his athleticism to get him from sideline to sideline. He just seems to be reading the game so much better now, um, and making those decisions, and you know, hitting. Seeing the running players coming and hitting the hitting the the backs in the backfield and reading quarterbacks, I, I don't think that there's a better linebacker in coverage in the NFL at this moment in time, without a shadow of a doubt. I think he's absolutely awesome in coverage, and his interception on the, on Sunday kind of you know helped uh, <laughs> kind of helped prove that. But um, he's got a tremendous upside. Better than Patrick Willis? I don't. I'm not sure. For me, Patrick Willis is right up there with the best linebackers of all time. But um, yeah, if he can be. As close to Patrick Willis, we've got a hell of a player. I think that's kind of my point around their different types of players is that mm-hmm. Patrick Willis is your classic big hitting superstar linebacker, whereas Fred Warner's more of your modern in the modern game, you have to be able to cover in that in the middle of the field. And yeah. he does that really well. You you talked about his inception. That's the perfect example because if you watch that moment he actually knows exactly what's coming and he baits the quarterback by almost holding his break and then breaking as soon as as soon as uh, Daniel Jones releases the ball he breaks into the spot and just takes the ball away and actually yeah. the ball is thrown slightly behind the receiver and he has to adjust to get it because he's so far across already in anticipation it's I am a huge huge fan and this guy is what two years out of college I think he's got big future ahead of him I think he He's a better linebacker for the modern game, but Willis was almost the perfect linebacker in his time. Willis and Bowman both were beasts. His second question, how do we fix the issue around the quarterback rush scramble yardage? Jones isn't known as a mobile quarterback, but had three or four 15-plus yard runs. If we don't fix it, Wilson and Murray will be all over us. And we will have no chance of winning a Super Bowl against Jackson or Mahomes. Discuss. How does the defense stop a mobile quarterback? Well, the, 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 the obvious answer is because we only tend to rush with Forrest to have a spy. But if you've got a spy and that's Fred Warner, then as we've just sort of mentioned, you take away one of his greatest assets in terms of in, in pass coverage. And if he's away from the pass coverage, then you don't have a scrambling quarterback. You have a quarterback peppering um, the, the gaps in between the, the defensive line and the, and the and the secondary. It's a it's a real tough one, and you know we're we're unfortunate because we've got two of the best mobile quarterbacks <laughs> in our division. Our division, yeah. And then invariably we're we're gonna we're gonna come up against you know the Ravens and and the Chiefs are probably the two best teams in the in the AFC. Um, it, it's a tough one. We. We saw very, very, very nearly did it at the end of last year, if you remember rightly. Um, but it's a, you know, it's a learning curve, and it's something that Salah needs to find a solution. What that is, I don't know. 
Rich, Deepak, anything to add? Not, uh, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that covers it. I, I think it's a scheme issue. Just the scheme that we play is not great against that kind of mobile quarterback. And Salah's got to work out a way of, of tweaking something against those QBs because it's a it's it's been an issue and it's going to continue to be an issue. Yeah, I was just going to add that it's not just those who struggles with mobile quarterbacks. Look at um, look at Dallas. You know they they could have beaten Seattle, um, should have actually should have. But, yeah. But right now, you know, I mean, Mahomes is playing out of his skin, but Russell yeah. Wilson is, is an MVP for the league this year. You know, with a, very few people are as good as him, but. There is a way to beat them. We just don't know what it is. Mm. Do we really have five or six very good running backs? Or can Kyle really just plug anyone into that system? Breda isn't exactly ripping up trees in Miami. I think it's definitely the system. Most of it's a journeyman, wasn't he? He went from here, there, and everywhere. Found a home here. Breda was, you know, Breda. Uh, I definitely think his system has uh, has a lot to do with the productivity we're getting from our backfield, for sure. For me, it's exactly that. It's the system, but it's it's more than just that. It's the it's the conflict that we're always putting defenders into when they just don't know whether it's going to be a run or play action. And we did some really great stuff against the Giants because they were biting on stopping the run, which. They did fairly successfully, but it just opened up lots of passing options. And so, yeah, I think it's going to depend heavily on, I mean, our O-line hasn't blocked well so far this year. We've actually been significantly worse than we have been for a while. And I think once they get that sorted, I think we'll be even scarier. Shanahan showed this for years. The, The Shanahan coaching tree um, has shown that it's able to just plug in UDFA running backs or low round pick running backs and, and make them look like superstars. Yeah, I just had uh, uh, just one extra thing on that is that I think any of the five are going to get production. I think how much production is down to the individual. So I think Muster is the quickest running back that we have, and he just seems to hit the gaps quicker as they're developing rather than well have already developed and are kind of closing I, I did put a comment on the on the Facebook group that the lanes actually were there against the Giants the vast majority of the time if someone was there a little bit quicker um, I think the Jet it's been great to see him back but I do think he's lost a yard of pace it doesn't it doesn't look like the same Jet heel player that he was at Minnesota but is he ever going to be that because of the injuries I think that we have a most uh, 2.0 in Jeff Wilson, just the way he runs, very upright, very quick, but can makes himself really narrow going through the gap, um, which is uh, obviously fits in really well with the scheme as well. And and I like the look of Jermichael Hasty. I thought he looked really shifty when he for the few snaps that he had. Nathaniel James wants to know: Is Jet McKinnon the real deal? Have people's views changed to the fact that this guy has been absent from the game for two years and scored a touchdown in every game so far this season? I think he's a very, very good back for the Shanahan system. He's going to be more of a receiving back than he is a a true running back, but Shanahan doesn't care. He will use those backs in the best way possible. And right now, Jet looks good. I'm, I'm delighted that he's back. I really hope that he has a few really productive years with us. 
Daniel Jacob Christensen Jr. wants to start a quarterback controversy, guys. Who do you start at QB? Explain why you chose who you chose, and also explain why you didn't pick the other guy. God. <laughs> <laughs> do we have to? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, let me just say, case in point, Shanahan has said multiple times, Jimmy's my guy. So Jimmy's the guy. Jimmy's the one you start when he's healthy to start. Yeah, I, I think I think Nick Mullins' form is a real plus. I think the fact that he's kind of come in and he's done well and people are talking about him can only be good for Jimmy because Jimmy will have to... Sh- Jimmy wasn't great. We all know he wasn't great mm-hmm. the first the first kind of game and a, and a half. So Jimmy's going to have to sharpen himself up, which if we get a sharp Jimmy, then we've got a great Jimmy. And a sharp Jimmy is better than a sharp Nick Mullins. If that was number 10 instead of number four on Sunday, we would be saying he's all pro, he's this, he's, he's the second coming. You know? And again, it's not the stats that do his game justice. Did you see the way he threw the ball? He was catching receivers on stride, which is something Garoppolo doesn't do. He's not making them work their ass off to catch the ball. He's going through his reads, he's looking at his progressions, and he's getting the ball off quickly. These are the things that we really want Jim to do, and hopefully he will do when he gets back from injury. But I, I think um, Mr. Mullins, he, he will go to another NFL team if we don't offer him something substantial here. And I think this is Garoppolo's option season where he has to really show something. Otherwise, the 49ers can make a choice as to what to do with him moving forward. I don't see a future for Mullins here simply because I think he'll have a better opportunity somewhere else. But against the Giants, the guy was lights out. He was phenomenal. Yeah, and it, it didn't seem as... One thing that I picked up on in Jimmy early season is that it was his skittishness in the pocket. So as the pocket started to collapse, he just seemed to... Obviously, you know, we, we'd, we'd always recommend a, a, a quarterback to throw the ball away, but he just seemed to... His legs started to dance, and it was just like he looks nervous. It's almost like he's anticipating a hit, whether that's the knee or or what, and he's just frightened of getting injured again. But there's definitely a skittishness with Jim Garoppolo in the pocket when it's collapsing, whereas I thought Nick Mullins, his best throws, were with defenders right in his face. And that's a, that's a huge difference. I'm not going to worry about that one game against the Cardinals, given all the moments that Jimmy had last year on third downs with pressure in his face where he yeah. found a receiver. Um, I, I think a lot of people overreacted far too harshly to that that Cardinals game. And he showed in the first half, at least against the Jets, that he was back to his much more settled down centered self. Um, I I I love Nick. I think he's great and I love what he's done for us, but he has limitations. Um, he plays incredibly well in structure and Shanahan schemes very well for him. I just don't know that he would have had that kind of game against the Saints last year, for example. No. And that was almost the point I was going to make. So moving on, Steve Panda <laughs> Richardson wants to say we are two and oh in New York and oh and one in San Francisco. Should we rename ourselves the New York 49ers? <laughs> Never. <laughs> but only for the reason that I've been to New York quite a few times. I've never been to San Francisco. So uh, if we move there, I'll never get to go to San Francisco. Oh, well, you, you got to come here. I know. <laughs> well, coming up next, we have the Eagles coming to town for a Sunday night game, guys. 
I feel really bad for you. <laughs> It'll be worth staying up for, I'm sure. Yeah, don't feel bad for me. I've never missed a game in knows <laughs> how many years. 40 years? Nah, not, yeah, 40 years. Nice. I've not missed a single game, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite that, um, I'm quite, not quite that uh, committed, but I will probably stay up for this one. Um, if, if not, I will record it and watch it first thing in the morning. But yeah. I think we should beat the Eagles, shouldn't we? It'll be over by time. You guys can go to bed at 42. <laughs> the 49ers currently lead the all-time series 19-13-1, with San Francisco losing seven of the last ten meetings, including four of the last five games in the Bay Area. They're terrible. They really are a bad team this year. As we've just discussed, you know, not just replacement, there's real quality in there. And there are players that legitimately start that team, injuries notwithstanding. I think we're going to thump them. I truly do. I hope you're right. Well, they did yeah. tie them with the Bengals last week. So. And the Bengals are awful. <laughs> the, Eagles, the Eagles, for me, I think that they're in a sort of an unfortunate situation. They don't have the defensive line that they had in their Super Bowl run. Uh, they haven't really managed to replace the depth of talent there because that was the big thing for them. It wasn't just the the superstars. They had the depth in the way that we do right now. But the, they've been hit so heavily in the wide receiver position that they've got basically no one to throw to. They're, they're desperately trying to get their rookie healthy so they've got someone. And that offense is pretty, is pretty meager right now. So I think we should be able to hold them to three and outs fairly frequently throughout this and i feel comfortable that we'll we'll have enough with what we've got even if we just go in with the starters that we had from from the giants game yeah yeah i think you're right i think um i think carson wentz has regressed um and like you say that all his weapons have been taken away so it's difficult to uh it's difficult to perform when like you say you've got he's literally thrown to to nobody but um yeah completely agree i think we'll have too much for them yeah, the Eagles are 27th in the NFL, averaging 19.7 points per game, 24th in total yardage with 336 yards per game, 17th in rushing average, 117.7 yards per game. Yeah, we're we're sitting here 11th in average points per game, 29 points per game, 14th in total yardage, 381 yards per game, 12th in rushing yards, 132 yards per game. Yeah, I think the numbers on paper, we definitely look stronger. And we're opening as seven-point favorites. Yeah, I think it'll be double that. <laughs> the biggest thing for me is that offensive line. We need to get that sorted in this game. So, do we want to make predictions about this, the outcome of this week's game? Other than the Niner win. I mean, we all know we're going to pick the Niners. Come on. Yeah, I'm going to go for it. I think it'll be 34-10. I want to go 33-13. <laughs> I am terrible at picking scores, but I would say at least a two-score win. Nice. I, I'm terrible at picking scores too, but I'm going to say 35-21. Just because. Um, <laughs> so our next feature, we're going to play the two-minute drill. I have two minutes on the clock. Are you guys ready? Ready when you are. All right. So let's go. Uh, Rich, 
One of our members, Matt Healy, asks, in the tight window throws, how much better is Nick Mullins than Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> uh, over the last couple of games, he has definitely been better, but you've only got to go back to last season to see how well Jimmy fits those into those windows when he is on form. So I'm going to go with Jimmy. All right. Deepak, another win in the Big Apple. Who was worse, the Jets or the Giants? Uh, they're both terrible. Both <laughs> terrible, terrible teams. Uh, I think the Jets are slightly less worse. Sorry, I think the Giants are slightly less worse than the Jets, but they're both garbage this year. <laughs> Simon, with Jordan Reed heading for a spell on the sideline, will the coach risk Kittle? Uh, I think he, as Rich alluded to earlier, I think he will get some reps, but I think you will probably see Dwelly picking up the majority of the snaps at tight end. Rich, do you think D Ford will ever suit up for us again amid reports of his retirement? Sadly, I don't think he will. That injury sounds pretty horrific, and fingers crossed he recovers, but you don't want to see a player try to play through something like that. Deepak, has Ayuk done enough to get the, against the Giants to get more targets against the Eagles? Well, I think by default he's going to get them. Um, I definitely think he'll be a featured player for our offense in that game, so yeah. Simon, can we continue to cope without our starters for the next two games? Um, I think uh, the Eagles, we will. Um, the game after may be stretched too far, but we'll get some back healthy and believe in the, believe in the system. Rich, does Ayuk's production spell the end for Dante Pettis? I think Dante Pettis's production spells the end for Dante Pettis. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> That's awesome. Great I answer. love it. And with that, we are out of time. Thank you, boys. Is there anything else we want to go over before we call it a day? Yeah. Um, the live videos. They're great fun to do, but nobody's watching them. We need to get more people watching them. And I totally forgot about the post-game video on Sunday. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, what about you? I was like, where the hell has she gone? Nobody cares about this anymore. <laughs> I got to talking to my husband and my kids and things were going, and then all of a sudden I looked and it's 3 o'clock. So... <laughs> Well, I, we've come to the portion of the program where it's time to say goodbye, boys. Bye, goodbye, boys. Cheers. Rich, it's been awesome having you on. I hope you will come back. Thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us today. It's been fun. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Andy Mitchell, Daryl Nils-Hanman, Deepak Gohill, Graham Ross, James Little, Jason Argo, Mark Lyon, Nathaniel James, Neil Jepson, Paul McDonald, Rob Newell, Ross Irwin, Simon Holdsworth, and Stephen Box for all the work they do on the show and in the group. My apologies if I missed anyone. And if you would like to be involved in the show, just let us know. We're always looking for members to help out, contribute, or appear on the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB, and on Facebook, search for the group Niner Empire GB. Be sure you check out the Frequency 49 blog on Podbean or your favorite podcast site. You can also email us at Frequency49Show at gmail.com. And that'll do it for us for this week. For Deepak Gohill, Rich Noonan, and Simon Holdsworth, I'm Kat Victorino. Go Niners! Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. Gotta have that. <laughs>